How many of y'all are glad to be here this morning? You glad to be anywhere? I want to, uh, before I even get started, the message this morning is entitled, There's Joy in Giving. I, I believe that to be true. I really do. And so before I go any further, I'm just going to tell you, we need some giving done. All right? There are a whole lot of cards like this out back. And these cards represent food items. And the food items that come in that are gathered because of the cards that are on the placard out there in the foyer are clustered together and they are delivered to families in our area who need help. Families that might not have uh, the opportunity to enjoy what you will enjoy or I will enjoy on Thanksgiving Day. But it happens whenever we give. And so I want to invite you, if you haven't visited that placard out there, I'd, listen, if you have to stand in line out there after service, that's okay. It's okay. It won't take long. But let's make sure that we do what we can do to try to be a blessing to the community around us, all right? Would, would you all join me in that? All right. By the way, next Sunday night is our Thanksgiving dinner, and we provide the meat and the bread, but we need you to bring stuff too, you know, vegetables and desserts. We have a great time together, and... Looking forward to that. It's always such a sweet time of fellowship for our church family when we get together like that. So I'm, I'm excited, looking forward. It, has it, but I got to know this. Are any of you like me? Does it seem like the holidays have just kind of, boom, they're here? Where has this year gone? I'm not sure, but not going to worry about it either. We're going to focus on the things that matter the most. And I think the Word of God is the most important thing we can focus on this morning. So if you brought a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Acts chapter 20. It's a familiar passage, I think, for many of us. And certainly there are things that we've heard and we know. Um, I just want to encourage you to, to, to join and go along with me. We're going to be looking together in chapter 20. We're going to start reading at verse 31 in a few moments when we get to our Scripture reading. But this morning, I, I just want to tell you a story I heard because I thought it was kind of humorous. It reflects so well, though, the character of, of so many of us and, and who we are, where we're at in life. But it was about a, a businessman, and he had been working in the business world for a number of years. He had built up a fairly decent nest egg, but he had decided, you know, he really wanted to be able to retire early. And so he had been thinking about how could he use his nest egg to accomplish that purpose. One night, he went to bed, went to sleep, and in the midst of his sleep, an angel visited. Now, he didn't know if it was a dream. He didn't know if it was a hallucination. He didn't know if it was reality. All he knew was that in his mind, an angel visited him, and they visited for a while. And, and when the angel got ready to leave, he, he, he asked, is this real? And the angel said, well, I'll tell you what, to prove that it's real, I'll grant you one request, anything you ask. So the man said, well, tomorrow I would like to receive. I would like to receive the New York Stock Exchange figures for the next year. Well, of course, they're always printed in the newspaper, so he wasn't worried about it. He got up the next morning, he went out, there's a stack of newspapers on the dining room table. And he, I mean, he just started to feel giddy. He was getting all tingly, thinking, man, I am going to be so wealthy a year from now because with all this information, I can invest my, my, my nest egg, and it is just going to explode into incredible wealth. He began to pour over those papers to look and see what stocks were going to do well and, and what the trends were going to be and, and when he needed to buy and when he was going to need to sell, and he was just going through those papers. And as he was glancing through the papers, one, one particular 
part caught his attention because, see, he kind of slid across the page and he saw himself. And he began to read his obituary. And all of a sudden, that money didn't seem so important anymore because he realized he was never going to see the reward of everything he'd labored for. Too many in the church today have forgotten or maybe have failed to learn that the best part of life is not found in what we get, but in what we give. That truth was revealed by the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20. He met there with the leaders, the elders of the church at Ephesus. He, he met, had been with them for a while. He met with them to give them basically what we would call his farewell address. And as he did so, he spoke some incredible words. And I want us to read those words together this morning. So if you've got your Bible to open to Acts chapter 20, find verse 31. Once you've found that, if you can and will, I'm going to invite you to stand with me in honor of our Heavenly Father as we read together from his inspired word. Paul has been explaining to these elders what's going on in his life and and what he's about to do. And he says to them in verse 31, So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that this kind of hard work, with this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Would you pray with me? Father, in these moments, I I just pray that you would speak to our hearts. Help us to understand your heart, the truth of your word, the calling that you've placed upon the lives of your people, the commission that you've given us, and the means that you have placed at hand for us to accomplish your calling. Father, I pray this morning. That as we look to your word, as we listen for your voice, that you would speak to us clearly. That you would direct us and that we would hear your direction and be obedient. Father, have your way in each of our lives. For we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I know a lot of folks struggle with understanding how can it be a joyous thing to give? How is there great joy in Just simply relinquishing that which you have worked for, labored for, sweat for. You've poured yourself into trying to get, to accumulate, to to gain, and now all of a sudden somebody's going to stand in front of you and say, there's joy in giving. You need to be giving. Listen, I I just want to remind you of something very simple. Whatever you have, how much or how little, it's a gift from God. Everything that we have comes from him. Everything that we have in our possession, everything that comprises our identity, everything that is part of our life, everything that is part of who we are, it all comes from him. And I want to remind you that he has called us to give even as he gives. And we should not ever expect God to bless us 
beyond what he can trust us with. Those are just simple truths found in the word of God. But I want to know, how are we doing with what he's already placed in our trust? What are we doing with what he's already given us? Each one of us has to answer that question for ourselves. So having said that, let me just very quickly share some thoughts with you this morning. I believe that there is joy in giving when you know where the money's going. You say, well, what in the world are you talking about? Listen, we all are responsible to be good stewards, and we are responsible for exercising sound principles of stewardship. Can I get an amen? There are so many organizations and so many charities that will make pleas for the resources that God has placed in your hands. And I'm just going to tell you right up front, there are many of those organizations that are doing admirable work. What they do is phenomenal. What they are doing and how they are touching lives, they're fulfilling a worthy cause. But I will not tell you today, nor will I ever tell you, that you should give to them in place of your church. They are good causes, but I want to tell you something. You need to hear me. The tithe belongs to the Lord. Now, some of you are going to sit out there and say, well, wait a minute. I don't even know what a tithe is. What in the world is he talking about? I am so glad you asked. Because God's word is very plain and upfront, okay? I mean, if you go back and you study in the Old Testament, the tithe is the concept of people bringing 10% of the first fruits of their labors. And giving that to the temple treasury, bringing that so that ministry could be done among the people of God and across the nation. And it was used to maintain God's work. That principle did not go away in the New Testament. I've had people try to argue that one with me. Well, we know that was in the Old Testament. We live in New Testament times. Absolutely, we do. And I am so thankful that we do. We are not dependent upon the law. We are living under grace. But Jesus came and he said this. I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. He didn't tell us not to do. He told us to do it with a right heart. I know some of you are probably sitting there saying, of course you think that. You're the pastor. You want it here. Absolutely. I'm going to be as honest as I can be. But Jesus taught his followers. Before he left them, he taught them that the work of ministry is to begin where we are And then go outward from there. You remember in Acts chapter 1, he said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Do you know where they were at? Right outside of Jerusalem. He said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And Judea, that was the surrounding area. And Samaria, that was the next state over, if you want to put it that way. And then he said, to the ends of the earth. You see, it starts where you are. The beauty of that is, for those of us here in Wichita, it starts right here and it goes out. For people that are in Topeka, it starts in Topeka and it goes out. For people that are in Kansas City, it starts in Kansas City and it goes out. For people, wherever they are, it starts where they are and it moves outward from there. Here's the great part about it, though. Whenever you engage in that type of action and activity and giving with the church, you're a participant. You get to see and to hear and to feel and to smell and to touch and to participate in the ministries of the local body of Christ. So when God begins to move and to do, you can say, I'm part of that. Isn't that awesome? You may say, well, I didn't do anything. All I did was put some money in the plate. Maybe you made it possible for somebody else to do. Maybe you brought a jar of grape jelly. I intentionally picked that one out because I love grape jelly. Maybe you brought a a bottle of grape jelly. And you say, well, that's no big deal. 
It's not to you or me because we've got it in our refrigerator. We've got it in our cabinet. But what about that child who goes to school and opens up a sack and finds a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? They wouldn't have had it otherwise. See, you made it possible by participating. That's what's great about being a part of the body of Christ. We all do our little bit. It's a sound practice to know where the money's going, what we're doing, what we're giving, what it's accomplishing. All of us have heard stories in recent days about abuses and misuses within charitable organizations, of, of groups and organizations where very little of what was received actually went to impact the lives and do the ministry that they were proposing. That's one reason why I think it's so awesome that churches adopt budgets. We set guidelines. We set parameters. We say, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. Here's where the money's going to go. And you adopt that church budget. What that is is a church body agreeing together on, here's how we're going to allocate the resources that God places into our hands. And that's a reason why, too, as a pastor, I'm so proud to be a Southern Baptist, and I promote giving through Southern Baptist causes because we've got a framework built whereby we can do missions and ministry and eliminate so much of the overhead cost because we've already got it all put together. All we've got to do is funnel the funds in there, and it goes out. People say, well, that's crazy. It doesn't work like that. Oh, yeah? Let me just tell you how this works. If $1 goes from this church or from the state of Kansas to Nashville, Tennessee, and it is allocated out, and it touches, listen, it touches international missions, North American missions, uh, theological education. It gives us a voice in Washington. You know what happens if a dollar goes there? 98 cents of that dollar is going to go out to ministry. Two cents, two cents of a dollar is used to maintain the structure and the overhead. Now, I'm just going to tell you one thing. I've had people ask me, can we get better bang for our buck? The answer very simply is no. But I would encourage you, you study, you look, you tear it apart, you figure it out. And if you can find better bang for the buck, come see me. We need to talk about it. I'm just telling you, it doesn't exist. 98 cents of every dollar. That's amazing. I know a lot of people who give to other, other groups. I think it's awesome. I, I'd never... I would never encourage them not to do that. But just be sure that wherever you're giving your money, it's being used wisely. And I'm just going to tell you square up because I believe this with all my heart. Usually the wisest gift that you can give is through your church. Because you have a voice in its allocation. You have a voice in how it's utilized. And if we give regularly and responsibly and, and, and we, we put it out there, we'll be amazed at what God does. Listen, I think there's joy in giving when you know where the money's going, what it's doing. But I'm not going to stop there. I think there's also joy in knowing what you're giving is showing about you. So what do you mean by that? What I mean is, is really simple. Giving confirms involvement. You look back at what Paul had said to these elders, and, and he explained to these men from Ephesus that they had known personally of his involvement in the ministry and the work of the church. He had been there as a church planter. He had been there as an evangelist. He had been there as a discipler. He had been there training leaders and workers. Now, you say, well, wait a minute, that has nothing to do with giving. Yes, it does. He gave of his time. He gave of his talent. He gave of his energy. He gave his testimony as well as putting resources into that ministry. Listen, giving is the most basic level of involvement. 
It's how we enter into ministry. It's not the end of all things. It's the beginning of all things. Our giving shows our love and our commitment to the work of the church and its ministries and the Lord who has established it and keeps it upright and going. When you give, you become involved. But giving also confirms your interest. Now this is where it kind of gets a little little ticklish and some of you can say, I wish he wouldn't go there. We give to the things that matter to us. And sometimes people have told me, well, we can't afford to do this. It's amazing to me we can't afford to give to God's work, but we can always afford other things. I'm just being honest. We give to the things that matter the most to us, don't we? Absolutely we do. I've had people tell me about the various charities they support, and I think it's awesome. Many of them are charities that have touched their family or their loved ones. Maybe in time of crisis, it ministered to them. There are a multitude of marvelous charitable organizations out there, and I'm all for giving to them. But I also hope and pray this. I hope and pray that there is no charity out there that has impacted you, has impacted your family, has impacted your life more than the gospel of Jesus Christ and the church of our living Lord. When you give to the church and its ministries, you reveal your interest in the ministries the church has. Ministries to children and preschoolers. Ministries to students and their families. Ministries to those who are struggling, hurting, wounded, homeless, hungry. Ministries that impact lives with the grace, the goodness, and the glory of Jesus Christ. When you give to the church, you're revealing your interest in its ministries and and how it can touch the community that you live in and even beyond that community to reach the end of the world. Folks, there's still over 3,000 people groups in our world that have never had one single witness of Jesus Christ yet. They're waiting Our giving shows that we are interested in making sure the gospel gets to them. One more thing I want to tell you about this. Giving also confirms your initiative. Listen, we don't do things because we love God. We do things because God first loved us. He loved us and we respond. When we give, it is our response to God's love, His goodness, His reach, His faithfulness that we just sang about this morning. God has showered his love upon us. And by our giving, we take the initiative to respond to that and say, I saw it, I see it, I get it. Genuine Christian giving is not done out of compulsion. It's not done out of duty. Well, I have to do this because somebody's watching somewhere. It's not done out of guilt because, well, the preacher preached on giving, so I better dig a little deeper this morning. That's not the point. That's not the goal. Genuine, authentic Christian giving is born out of our response to the love of Christ that's been shown to us. I think it's important for us to understand there is joy in giving. When you know where the money's going, when you know what your giving is showing. But let me tell you one more thing. I think there is tremendous joy in giving when you know that God's kingdom is growing. I get excited when people come to know Christ. 
I get excited whenever people come in the door and say, oh, we've never been part of a church like this. I get excited when people meet us at the door and, and we're able to meet a need in their lives that someone here made us aware of and we could go and we can knock on that door and we can share with them the love of Christ and say, look, we're not doing this because we got a lot of money. We're not doing this because we're a charity. We're doing this because God loves us and he loves you. And we want to make sure that your life is full and blessed like ours is. Paul's concern, when you read chapter 20, was for the future of the church. He knew he had laid a good foundation for them. And we sang a few moments ago, may those who come behind us find us faithful. That ought to be our, our goal, our desire, our longing. Paul knew he had done that. He had laid a foundation. He says, for three years... For three years, I never stopped warning each one of you day and night with tears. Man, he was sharing the gospel. He was pleading with people to come into the faith. He was pleading with people to be a part of kingdom ministry. He helped grow the church. He helped train the leadership. But they were going to have to do the work because now God was moving him on down the road. And he wanted them to understand the future of the gospel at Ephesus. In the church, in that community, even beyond that community, in, in the region of Asia Minor, the gospel was at stake. And the success of the gospel and the continuation of the ministry would be tied to their faithfulness to God's principles. What principles? You know, I read this chapter several times over in the last several weeks, and I find it interesting. Not just interesting, but even instructive. That the concluding word in Paul's farewell address was a reference to Jesus' statement that it's more blessed to give than to receive. The continuation of the growth of the Ephesian church, the continuation of the spreading of the ministry of the gospel across Asia Minor and really all of the Roman Empire, was going to be dependent upon how God's people acted in relation to that statement. Friends, I want you to hear me. The same thing is true today. Every church must give. Every church member must give. And we need to grow in the grace of giving. All of us do. I'm not picking on anybody and I'm not lauding myself. We all need to grow in the grace of giving. Why? So that the church can continue to be strong in its ministry, strong in its outreach, so that we can continue to support and send missionaries who can go to those places where those unreached people groups are and they can share the gospel of Jesus Christ in places and ways where it has not yet been heard. Paul offered some concepts that would lead to growth in the first century. And what's amazing to me, because people tell me, that's just a dusty old book. No, it's not. Man, this book is as valid today as it was the day it was written. And do you know that the principles that he launched out there in the first century as he was speaking to the elders of the Ephesian church are still valid principles today? Let me, let me just point out to you what they are, okay? Beginning with simply this statement that he makes in verse 35. I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Be eager to work. And understand something. <laughs> Ministry's not easy. 
It's not. And those of you who've been involved and are involved, whether you're teaching a Sunday school class, whether you're sometimes working with the children or the preschoolers, or, or maybe you're a deacon or you're married to a deacon or, or, or you're in some other type of ministry role or capacity, it's demanding. It demands time. It demands energy. It demands focus. It demands effort. It demands resources. And sometimes for all of the demands, everything that you do, people look at you and say, and you walk away and you say, Lord, why did you send me there? Lord, why did you send me to that door? Lord, why did you call me to go to that family? Lord, why? It's not ours to know why. The Lord had a purpose. He had a reason. He always does. The question is, will we be obedient to do what he calls us to do? That's forever the question. Ministry is work. It's not a place to hide from work. I promise you that. Be eager to work. But there's another principle he lays out there. Be consistent in giving. Resources, time, talent, testimony, all of it. He called on them to remember the words that Jesus spoke. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Folks, above everything, be faithful to the Lord. Be faithful to his gospel. Understand that our greatness is not based on what we have. It's based on what we give. Jesus was right. It is more blessed to give than to receive. He demonstrated that truth for us when he laid down his own life. He gave the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. Paul demonstrated this truth. By giving his life in service to the Lord, to his kingdom, to the church. I found myself sitting in my office wondering, how have I demonstrated that principle in my life? How have we, as the people of God, demonstrated that principle in our lives? Maybe it's time to begin today. It may be that you're sitting here in this room and you need to pledge your heart to the kingdom of God. You need to pledge yourself to Jesus Christ. You need to surrender your will to his will and allow him to become your Lord and Savior. You need to become a person of service in the kingdom of God. It begins by knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. If you don't know him in that way, I invite you. Come to Jesus today. You see, all of us, it doesn't matter who we are, we need Jesus. God's word is very clear. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If we will repent of our sin, confess it and turn from it and come to Jesus and allow him to do a work in our hearts and lives, he will make us a new creation. Maybe that needs to happen in your life. You might be saying, man, I'm not sure about that. I, I've got questions. I'm not sure about the process or, or the steps that I need to follow. Can I just tell you something in a moment? When we stand and begin to sing, if you come and take me by the hand, I will not put you on the spot, but I'd love to share with you. We would love to share with you from God's word how you can become a new creation in him today. That's the, that's the bedrock of our ministry. That's the very foundation of what we are, who we are as a church and a people. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you may be sitting there saying, man, I'm off the hook. He's not talking to me. I already did that. I'm good. 
Are you serving? Have you found your niche? Are you serving in the kingdom? Are you doing what God has equipped you, prepared you, called you to do through the ministry and the work of his church? If you are, rejoice in it. If you're not, why not? Say, I'm not sure what my niche is. Great. Can we pray together about that? Well, I'm not sure what I'm gifted to do. Let's visit. You may be sitting on it and don't even know it's there. The reality is this, and I want you to know it. There's joy in giving. There's joy in serving. There's joy in being an active child of the king. Some of you know it. You need to let your faces know it. Friday, I stood in a room smaller than this one with a family that I've known for 35 years. And before me was a casket containing the remains of a man who mentored me when I was a 21-year-old newlywed, starting in first full-time ministry. I didn't know how to be a dad. I didn't know how to be a husband. I didn't know how to be a minister. I thought Don just liked to fish. But as I've looked back, I've realized those fishing trips were training times. He shared with me the things he'd learned. As I stood at that pulpit Friday, I, I was recounting some of that and I looked at another pastor who was behind me. He had preceded me at that church in the same position that I filled when he left and went on to school. And I told him, I said, none of us knew it at the time, but they were running a finishing school for young ministers. He found his niche. And at least in my life and another life I'm aware of, as well as I think several others that I'm aware of, he fulfilled his ministry. That's why I could say to that family that a couple of days ago, he heard a voice say, well done, good and faithful servant. Will we hear those words? Only if we are faithful. There's joy in giving. Let's get to it. Let's bow our heads together. In just a moment, we're going to stand together and sing a song of commitment. I, I want to give you the opportunity to surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ today. It may be that he's been speaking to you for some time and you've been doing battle with him. You've been trying to hold on to your own life and keep control of things and do it your own way. I, I just want to tell you something. There's great joy in surrendering to him and letting him have control of your life. This morning, do you need Jesus? Do you need a Savior? Do you need to be a new creation in Jesus Christ? You say, well, I'm not sure. Well, do you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior? Yes or no? If the answer is no, you need Jesus. Is he calling you? If he is, would you come? Just come take me by hand and say, Pastor, I need that relationship. We're not going to push you into anything. We're not going to force you into anything. We're not going to embarrass you about anything. But we want to visit with you about it because it's the most important thing that can ever happen in your life. 
brothers and sisters in Christ, are you doing what God has called you, equipped you, and prepared you to do? If so, keep doing it. Rejoice in it that he has trusted you with that ministry. But if you're not, what has he got for you? Let him lead you. Needed someone to pray with you about it? We'd love to do it. Maybe you're looking for a way to get connected to the body of Christ. Maybe God's led you to this church and you're looking for a church home, a place where you can worship and serve and be served. Is this where God's brought you? Is this what you need to do? Let's talk about it. Let's figure out what needs to happen. Friend, I want to tell you, there is nothing more joyous than receiving God's gifts and giving back. How do we do it? Let's let him show us. If you need to come, I invite you. Come. Father, I thank you this morning for your glorious word. We live in a world that's focused on getting, accumulating, gathering. And yet you have told us very plainly in your word, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Father, I pray that we would be the epitome of that giving people. That our lives would reflect your grace and your graciousness. That we would give of our time, our talent, our testimony, our resources. We would give so that others might hear and know that Jesus Christ is Lord. That there is hope, that there is forgiveness, that there is life eternal and abundant. Father, I pray for us in this room this morning. Not knowing what anyone has heard, just simply knowing how you spoke to me. I pray, Father, you would take your words and apply them to each heart, to each life, to each individual. That you would call us to follow you. You would call us into relationship. You would call us into service. That you would take us and use our lives to exalt the name of Jesus and bring glory to our Heavenly Father. Father, in these moments, even as we sing together, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak, draw, that you would do the work of transforming lives. Father, be glorified in this place and through these people. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.